You are listening to the Conscious Women podcast for the spiritually minded and conscious driven visionary woman who's ready to elevate her life, business or career. I'm your host, Suki Ko, mindset coach and meditation teacher. My goal in this show is to lead you into your inner world and for you to see the infinite potential within you to be, do and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset and spiritual development. Each week, I'll bring you coaching sessions, strategies, and guided meditations on how to do the inner work to discover your soul's purpose, find alignment with your authentic self, and get a mindset makeover so you can create a life you love. I truly believe that you can achieve anything you put your mind to. I'll be showing you how powerful you really are, how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and stop playing small. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello beautiful souls and welcome back to another episode. I'm still talking about purpose and these last few episodes um, have been a series of episodes that I'm recording about finding your purpose, discovering your purpose because it wasn't something that I could have done in just one episode and there's just so much to dive into so I wanted to break it up and give you different perspectives of what is this big word purpose and how do I find my purpose so I'm carrying on that series and today I'm talking about dharma and some of you may have heard the word dharma some of you may not have I learned about dharma from a very young age being of Indian descent it's a word that was regularly used by our elders and it was almost like they got it confused with the word karma and they would say things like so I'm going to speak some Punjabi now jo karma hai or they would say karma wali meaning that was our like um destiny but i actually think that they even got that wrong because since i've been on this yogic journey and learning about the yogic and the buddhist philosophy it goes so deep what the meaning of dharma actually is and what i did learn from my elders my parents and you know all the stories that were told to us by our parents from you know all our ancestors and everything that was just following through all the generations and my understanding of it was that from what i was told that your dharma is your karma and you your life is written your destiny is written your fate is written and um and that's going to be your life but actually in fact it's not and dharma is our ultimate soul's journey in this lifetime and some of us will follow that soul's journey or um not follow but almost like know that they have another life purpose other than what their life was expected of them so you know the traditional conventional life of go to school go to college go to university get a degree get a job get married have children buy the house buy the car have your you know holidays oh and so and so it's the life that is the expectation of cultural and societal norms living in that box and yes that's absolutely fine and some people thrive on that but there's some of us who will just not fit inside of that box and i was one of them so i was always questioning things inside of my head and i would always do so much reading and try understand things 
from my own perspective and, you know, learning was something that I absolutely love doing. And we hear about people talking about purpose all the time or how do I find my purpose? Am I living my purpose? You might question it yourself as well. And just let me get one thing clear that purpose is something that we embody. It is not something that we achieve and our purpose will just fluctuate throughout our life. There's going to be so many different things that we are doing. Purpose isn't something that is tangible and that we're going to go out there and find it. It's already within us. And the only way we're going to find it, or not even find it, it's discovering, it's reconnecting with your soul. It's following that inner compass that we have and that inner compass is our soul. So our Dharma is our ultimate soul's journey in this lifetime. So let me break the word Dharma down and what it actually means. So Dharma means um, it's like an eternal duty in the Vedic tradition. And it comes from yogic and Buddhist philosophy and explain it in such beautiful, deep, 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 deep ways. And I cannot even describe it just how eloquently and poetically they it's described, but the word literally translates to dri, which means to hold or to retain, and ma is me. So it literally means that which holds me together. And that is the integral part of you. And you are never truly fulfilled if you do not live your dharma. And there are some of us who are very lucky who have experienced this sensation. And it may be that you love your job and you can't imagine doing anything else. And that's absolutely okay. You might love your family life and everything that you're doing. But sometimes we are too distracted and just living by or how everyone else had planned our lives for us. And there's nothing more painful than trying to live your life the way everyone expects you to live it. That is betraying your own soul just so that you can please the world around you, but also what I call just to fit in, to fit into that box. So unraveling your dharma, it includes figuring out what you do with yourself on every level. So you can't just think it from your head. You have to drop into your body. You have to be embodying it. And we often think of Dharma as a single grand and glorious purpose. But every action from the most mundane to the most profound is of such importance to our soul. And, you know, I thought I had my whole life figured out and I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was younger because the expectation being Indian, coming from a very traditional family, even though I was living in the UK, I was born in the UK. My parents emigrated from India to the UK in the 1960s. And they had one way that our life was going to turn out. And that was that, you know, we, yeah, yeah, we were going to go to school, we were going to have an education, but sort of from about the age of 16, 17, our parents we're going to find us a suitable boy and we were going to get married and live happily ever after. And that's exactly how my life panned out. And we were primed from a very young age to become that dutiful, subservient wife and daughter-in-law and taught how to cook and clean and be a good housewife and respect your elders. 
and that whatever they said and did, they were doing it for, you know, the best interests, for our best interests. And they knew better than us. So in fact, they had our whole life written out and planned out exact way it was going to happen. So I couldn't have a dream about having an education or being somebody, or, you know, I even remember speaking to my mom about me being wanting, I wanted to be a police officer and talking about my career and sort of coming to that age of about sort of 14, 15. And, you know, you've got the careers advisor at school and you're looking at what is it that's going to be your next step after you leave school? So that sort of starts at around the age of 15. You know, my friends around me were deciding what they wanted to do, you know, whether they were going to do A-levels, go off to university. And there I was thinking, mm, I, I'm not going to be able to do any of this. I know that I'm going to get married. And my two elder sisters got married at a very young age. My eldest was left school and she wasn't even allowed to get a job. She worked with my mom in her factory, in the factory that my mom was working in. And she was married at the age of 17. And then my middle sister was married at the age of 19. So I just thought I'm going to follow suit. And I couldn't have the dreams about having an education because it was drilled into us from day one that Indian girls don't study and that you don't need to study. You you know, you're going to have a husband that's going to look after you. It's his duty to look after you and go out there and work and be the breadwinner. And, you know, your life is going to be, you're just going to be the homemaker and the mother. And that was going to be it. So I couldn't have all these dreams and desires about what it is that I wanted to be in life. So I just followed along with what I thought my parents thought was the best for me. And I trusted that. So I did everything in accordance with what was expected of me. Finished school. Actually, I did go to I did go to college for two years and I did a legal secretarial diploma because I thought at least that way I know that I'll be able to get a job. I didn't know if I wanted to be a teacher or if I wanted to go into the law. But I thought actually if I do a course that I can walk into a job, at least I've got something. And then I was married. I was actually engaged at 17, married at 19. And my parents had that planned out for me. And the arranged marriage was going to take place as soon as I finished college. And then the expectation was for me to just have children straight away. And that's exactly how my life planned out. I was married by 19, had both my boys by the age of 22. And that was it. That was my life. My identity, wife, daughter-in-law, mother, daughter, sister, even though, and I know I've spoken about this before, about my journey, about how I became a lawyer and how I qualified, worked full time, bringing up the family, studying part time, took me 11 years to qualify as a solicitor, finally did it. And I thought my whole life was planned out. There I was in my 30s thinking, this is great. I've got a successful career. I've got everything. Married, got the kids, got the home, got the job, got the success, having beautiful grand holidays every year. It was it was from the outside in looking as though I had the most amazing life. And I had achieved all of this by the age of 34, 35. But inside of me, there was a totally different story going on. And I began getting lower back pain and the pain went just from dull to severe very quickly. And I blamed it on just the fact that I'd had kids and I was carrying them and the weight and all the rest of it and just thought, you know what, it's going to get better. But in fact, it got worse and it became so hard for me to concentrate on my work. 
and I tried to relieve it in so many ways. I tried yoga, I had physio, I had I went to see a chiropractor, I did acupuncture, I even started swimming, I changed my chairs at work, I used to lay on the floor and the pain would just not subside, it just got worse and then the pain travelled from my lower back into my mid and upper back and then severe pain in my neck and then that travelled to my knees and I was I felt like a broken woman in my 20s. I felt like my body had aged so much and I just couldn't work it out. I was young, I was healthy, I was an I felt like I was an athletic woman. I was vegetarian, very conscious of what I ate. I would go to the gym. I had an on and off yoga practice, but I would do my yoga. I'm thinking to myself, how is all of this possible? I'm so young, but yet my body feels as though I'm like 50, 60, maybe even 70 years old. But it turns out that my body was talking to me. Now that I look back, the wisdom that our body has that we just ignore at the time because we distract our pain, we numb our pain, but it's the pain that is actually telling us something else. And then that's when my inner voice started getting louder and louder and getting more clear and saying to me, you need to move to your own rhythm. You're out of alignment with yourself right now. And I couldn't quite understand what that meant. It confused me. I really did feel out of alignment, but I was like, I've got everything. Why would I feel like this? And then that is when I could not ignore that inner voice. So much going on in my life. My marriage was breaking down and I was just feeling really miserable in my work, miserable in my marriage. And I just couldn't work out why. And I was just saying to myself, why can't you just be grateful for what you have? And now we're talking, this is probably 2008, and that is actually when I had the most significant, what I now call awakening, and I'm not sure where this came from or where I got the courage, but I walked out of my marriage. This was in 2008, after 15 years of marriage, only 34 years old, and I was so sure It wasn't even that I had some uncertainty or that I thought I need to maybe just have a separation and work things out with my husband. After all, I had so much to lose and I was 110% certain that I did not want to be in this marriage. And I had made up my mind, even though there was family that got involved, I was, you know, um, expected to do mediation and see a counsellor and my husband kept saying no we can work this out and this is not the end and you know let's just not rush into this but I knew for sure it was almost like my soul had made that decision that no I am out of this marriage this is not what I want this is not aligned with me and shortly after even though this took 18 months to finalise my divorce And when it happened, yes, I would look back and I would get all those, I was consumed by feelings of guilt and shame, which didn't leave me for years. But I threw myself into my career. I distracted how I was really feeling. And 
I ignored it all, ignored all the signs that were going on inside of my body yet again. Because now I thought, well, I am on the path of my dharma because I didn't want to be in that marriage. I wasn't aligned with my partner and I wanted something else. And that was it. I thought, I'm at the marriage and everything is going to work out. But boy, was I wrong. This carried on for maybe five years now. So we're out sort of 2013 now. And my inner voice just got louder and louder. And something just kept telling me it was time to go. And I couldn't understand that word. Time to go. And I was like, time to go where? How could I give all of this up? I was, you know, in an ideal job, a job that so many people dream of. I was a successful lawyer, had my own home. My boys were doing well at school and everything seemed perfect. But that call to go and I couldn't again work out what it meant just got louder and louder. And I just kept getting this feeling that I was supposed to be somewhere else. And that somewhere else quickly started to come into focus and I got more and more clarity the more that I dived into my healing and personal development and my spiritual journey, which actually started in 2011. And that voice inside of my head, and not even just inside of my head, it was my body also giving me signs. And it was travel. Travel was at the top of my list and the word freedom, just, I don't know what or how to work it out, but I just let my instincts guide me. And in 2014, I did the most unexpected thing that even for me, I was shocked that I did it. And I took the leap of faith and I left my successful, but I would say unsatisfying career in law. And that was in 2014. Something just kept telling me it was time to go. And I just trusted that inner voice. And I just kept the faith that there was something else. Even though I had worked so hard to get to where I was in my career, I had sacrificed so much And I didn't do it the linear way of going to university before I got married and then getting the successful career and then having the family. In fact, I did it backwards. I did it the other way around where I got married at such a young age. I was working full time. I I did have a job in the law as a secretary and a paralegal. And then I was studying part time as well as raising my family. So actually, I did it backwards. So sacrificing so much, putting so much blood, sweat and tears into getting to where I went, got to. And then eventually when I got to it, I was only in the job for about four years when I realised four years into being a qualified solicitor, even though I was in the law since 1998. I, yeah, something was just off, so off that I was like, wow, you've invested so much time and money and this is how you're feeling? You're so ungrateful. But something kept me on that path and I followed the calling and my life changed dramatically. The whole trajectory of my life changed. And that was the first step along the path of my Dharma. So between 2014 and 2019, I traveled a lot. I went to Bali twice and the first, my first trip to Bali was in 2015 and I was just going on a holiday 
Um, I was also doing some personal development stuff out there as well. And I was going out with a group of friends, friends that I didn't know very well and met them through my personal development journey and at seminars. So I was actually traveling alone for the very first time. But when I got to Bali and my, I, you know, we landed, got off the airplane and I walked out of the airport, almost like, well, actually, no, my soul whispered to me, welcome home. Welcome home. And I didn't understand what that meant. And again, just ignored it. But I've got to say, I had the most amazing, life-changing time in Bali that I felt as though when I came back home, that I had left my soul there. Obviously, not literally left my soul there, but something was left behind and I had to go back and then very quickly went back and went back again in 2018 with another friend. And again, the same thing happened. I don't know, such a connection to Bali. It was my soul. Every time I'm there, I just feel so nourished, so complete, so at home. And, you know, speaking to spiritual teachers and all the rest, I think I, I must have had a previous life in Bali. And this is the reason why I'm running my retreats in Bali, because not only is it such a special place for me, it's such a spiritual, spiritual place anyway. And they call it the Island of the Gods. And it is honestly the most beautiful spiritual place. And it is life-changing. It's been life-changing for me. And uh, if you want to go on a healing journey, honestly, Bali is your destination. And that is a reason why I run my retreats from there. And actually, as I'm recording this episode, I'm going to be running my retreat, a 10 day retreat to healing and um, very beautiful spiritual rituals and doing so much on self-love and um we are doing so much on the 10 days that I'm running this retreat for special seven special ladies who are lucky enough to go. But anyway, I'm digressing. Let me get back to when my, so that was between 2014, yeah, 2014 and 2019. Honestly, it was such a long, painful, arduous journey of healing, unlearning and deconditioning. And it was mainly my meditation and my yoga that helped me through that journey and just learning lots about the yogic and Buddhist philosophies. And my journey just went deeper and deeper and I just went deeper into my soul and learned so much about myself. And then that is when I had my next big call, which came in 2019 after my dad suddenly died, which was the biggest, most devastating thing that I'd ever dealt with in my life. And again, in 2019, uh, what I did do between 2014 and 2019, I didn't jump ship 100%. I became a consultant in my legal, um, as a, a legal, uh, as a lawyer. And then I also went back into the corporate world and worked for a couple of years as well. And then in 2019, my next big call came and I again took the leap of faith and just left my job. I didn't know what, why, why I was doing this. But again, I had the calling to say, you need to go. 
And I had a dream about teaching meditation and yoga so much because I know that, you know, meditation has been my my greatest teacher. My biggest lessons in life have been learnt through my meditation, connecting with myself. And my yoga was more of a personal journey and I wanted to do yoga teacher training more for my own development and my own progression because I just wanted to dive into it deeper and learn more about the philosophy side of things. So I researched on, you know, doing a meditation teacher training and a yoga teacher training and I was researching India and you would think that India would be the place that I would go to do yoga teacher training and a meditation teacher training knowing that it's come from the Eastern philosophy and that I speak the language and I know India been to India many, many times and it would be makes sense for me to go to a place which is my my home roots. And um something yeah, so when I was researching I just wasn't getting the call or the pull to go to India, even though that's where the most amazing teacher trainings take place. And for some reason Bali just kept coming up in my research and all the yoga schools and the meditation schools that I was researching. It was, I don't know, Bali called me and guess what I did? Yes, I went. I enrolled on a meditation teacher training and a yoga teacher training and my plan was to go to Bali for six months and that was it. Just going to take one day at a time and just see where my life was going to go after that. And that is when my calling intensified even more. And I had the most, uh, I, how would I even explain it? I don't even think I can explain it in words. What an emotional journey of being ripped apart. The healing journey that I went on in Bali, in my meditation teacher training and my yoga teacher training. It's not what I expected but I was literally ripped apart by my spiritual teachers and lovingly put back together again. I dealt and faced my biggest demons, my biggest traumas in life and went on a beautiful but very painful healing journey. And my life has never been the same. Obviously, I had to come back and I've explained this already that uh, luckily I had finished both my teacher trainings and then I was going to be in Bali for a couple of months just chilling and relaxing and just seeing where it was that I wanted to go after that. My plan was I did take a sabbatical, well, not sabbatical from work, I had to leave, but I took a sabbatical from my career for six months because I had enough savings and my plan was to just, you know, take six months out and see exactly where it is I want to go and then I was going to plan to go, maybe go back into the corporate world or maybe teach yoga and meditation full time, I don't know. I was just going to take each day as it came. But pandemic hit and everyone had to get out of there. They had to get an emergency flight back. And this was now end of March 2020 because the borders were going to close. And my life has been a different story. Not what I planned at all, but I don't regret it. I don't look back and think, wow, why did I do that? Or I shouldn't have done that. Actually, I have no regrets. The only one regret that I do have is that I wished I'd done it much sooner. And truth be told, throughout my entire adult life, I followed the callings which navigated my path. I couldn't and didn't understand why my path was being navigated this way, but I had the trust and I had the faith that something was there and there was a reason why I was on this path. And these callings are actually indicating a path to your dharma. 
And as a big part of what I love doing is helping people discover their Dharma or aka discover your purpose. I'd like to share with you what I learned along the way, along my journey that helped me step deeper into my personal Dharma. And even though I didn't understand any of this when I was going through it, now looking back and connecting the dots and the experiences that I had, diving in deeper, connecting with my soul, asking the universe for signs and asking the universe for the next step and to guide me and knowing that the universe had my back. These are the 10 tips that I can give you to help you discover your personal Dharma. And the first step is to pay attention to synchronicity. Life is very good at guiding you, as I've explained in my story. And if you just pay attention and just notice what or who keeps showing up in your life, if someone or something shows up over and over again, it's like that person or that thing is tied to your Dharma. And for me, it was that voice saying, you need to go, you need to travel. And I traveled so much between 2015 and 2019 that from my traveling, getting away from the hustle and bustle of my life is where I realized my calling and my dharma. And that takes me into step two is follow the calling. And callings are those things that you feel deep inside you, guiding you that you don't necessarily understand or you can't make sense of it at the time. And no one else can. And people might think you're crazy or judge you for it, but trust it. You will feel that direction to do something and it hasn't come from your mind. Because me being a lawyer, logically, when I was thinking all of this, I was like, absolutely no way. Being in the analytical, logical mind, I would not do something like this. But there was something more powerful inside of me that was leading the way and calling me and preparing me to follow my personal dharma. So follow those callings. That's my second tip. My third tip is know when it's time to go. So if you are feeling like it's time to move on, then it's probably time to move on. Your mind might be fighting with you, like I just explained in step two, but your soul knows best. And then tip number four is be aware that it's not going to be a linear journey. It's not going to be all planned out for you beautifully. The path to your personal dharma may in fact feel like a spiral. Just when you think you've gotten there, you'll find yourself spinning deeper. And, you know, so much will come up for you, so much that you wouldn't even expect. But it helps to surrender trust and have faith that it's all working out and your path will be made clear. Uh, Tip number five is make friends with your illogical mind. And it's important to know that even though Dharma is not necessarily coming from from like a rational place in your mind, if you are trying to, I would say, overmastermind it, overanalyze it, overthink it, You will drive yourself crazy because that's exactly what I did. And it will take you further away from your Dharma. Tip number six is have a practice that connects you to your greater source. And whether that's yoga, meditation, 
doing something creative, spending time in nature. It's so important to connect with a source that's greater than you. And that's where you're Dharma lies. That's where you're going to find the support because that's where I found the support, knowing that there was this, this power that was bigger than me, even though inside of me, I was connected to it and I just trusted it. And as I've said before, my meditation practice, my yoga practice has been my greatest teacher and has been my greatest gift in life. This is why I'm so passionate about teaching meditation and yoga. And tip number seven is look at people that you admire because there's clues in that. The people that you admire tend to represent the greater aspects of you. So put on your detective hat and this will give you some clues on why those people, why you admire those people and see what their characteristics and their traits are, what it is that they're doing, why, question yourself, why do you admire these people? And and tip number eight is take it seriously, but be lighthearted about it. If you take discovering your dharma too seriously, you may not actually be able to see it. Just follow divine synchronicities and learn to connect with the universe. And if you don't understand something, just ask another question and just say to the universe, universe, I didn't understand that. Can you guide me or give me another sign? And I'm telling you, the universe will definitely be giving you another sign. Just be open to receiving that. And don't think of it as a coincidence. It's really not a coincidence. And some of us will again be in that rational mind and think, oh, that was just a coincidence. Well, actually, if something comes to you more than once, and I would say three times, it's not a coincidence. It's a divine synchronicity. It's the universe's way of communicating with you. And one thing that I've done just to trust that, because again, your logical mind will definitely want to take over, want to protect you and keep you safe. So for me, I've, I have two signs and one is a dragonfly. And the reason why I've chosen a dragonfly is it's almost like even testing the universe because we don't have very many dragonflies here in England. But when I see a dragonfly or a dragonfly comes to me, I know that that is definitely a sign to say that I'm on the right path. And the other one is a robin. We don't see very many robins. We've got a lot of robins in the UK, but it's not a bird that you see flying around regularly. So when I see a robin, that's also another sign as well. So those are the two signs that I keep for myself. And I advise maybe do something like that. Maybe have something that you say to the universe, this is my sign to say that I'm on the right path and show me this. And it will show you in one way or the other. So you don't have to have a live, something alive, like flying around. It could be, you know, a number. It could be, it could be anything, you know, and you might see that number on a billboard, on a, um, on your watch, on your microwave clock, on, um, you know, something you're reading online. It might be when you're looking on your phone, it could be on a number plate. So numbers is something else as well. I don't actually have a specific chosen number, but I call them angel numbers. But I do see 1111 every single day, if not a few times a day. And it could be any combination of numbers, you know, 333, 222, 555, or, you know, even just a double number, which is synchronized. 
And then moving on to tip number nine is have courage to walk into the mystery. And if you're committed to discovering your dharma, you'll need to call in on that higher level of trust. And that's exactly what I did. I just surrendered and knew there was something bigger out there that was guiding me on the right path. And I had that trust and the faith and kept the faith. And the most important thing was patience. And I struggle with patience a lot, but just, yeah, kept it going and just kept walking into that mystery and thinking, hmm, now this is happening or this doesn't make sense, but I'm sure I'll understand why this is happening. And then number 10 is just allow breathing space. And your dharma is not something that you're going to catch. It's not something that you're going to discover overnight. You need to take steps and then leaps and then let yourself breathe and just be patient. And if I can just give you one final tip, an additional bonus tip is just take the time and care when it comes to figuring out your purpose. And I urge you to look internally rather than externally, since a lot of people that are on that quest to finding their dharma always look on the outside. Again, I've said this before, it's not tangible. It's not something you're going to go out there and find. It's already within you. You were born. You came into this world. Your dharma is your ultimate soul's journey in this lifetime. And you've come here with your karmic contracts, with the vows that you've made with yourself. So you've got to go within. And if you're going to do all that mental analysis of your external circumstances, it will not lead you to your dharma. It may lead you to outward success and fame and fortune when you're going out there searching for all of this success or chasing success, as I call it. But you will still not have fulfilled your dharma. And this is why the world is full of so many people who appear to have everything and they're still miserable. And that is my final piece of advice for figuring out your dharma is to just keep engaging and in whatever practice that it is that you choose. Meditation, I would say, is definitely number one, is getting that space, giving yourself that space and just going within. And, you know, that could be meditation, it could be mindfulness, it could be journaling, it could be talk therapy, anything, any of these modalities, any of the spiritual modalities and The only way you are going to find your dharma is to develop that practice that leads you to your soul. So I hope that helps you on the start of your journey to discovering your dharma. And if you've been inspired by this episode and you know that it will help someone else or benefit someone else, please, please share it with them. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and I hope you have an amazing rest of the week, whatever it is that you're doing. And I will see you next time. Bye.